Sales is 100% about helping people and understanding what problems they have and how you may be useful in helping them solve those problems. It's not about the pitch and talking, it's about really listening first and asking the right questions. All students are going to sell. So if it's something you're gonna have to do, no matter what job you go into, you might as well learn how to do it well. I'm constantly using selling strategies throughout my life. Any of those things that we wanna do, and we're trying to win someone over, that's all selling. The voice you just heard is Dr. Stephanie Boyer, a published author, TEDx speaker, and marketing professor at Bryant University, where she teaches selling and sales management at both the undergraduate and graduate levels. Dr. Boyer was the recipient of the prestigious American Marketing Association Sales Educator of the Year Award. She's also the co-founder of Rainmakers, a virtual platform for training and assessing sales talent through which she hosts a virtual sales competition with student competitors from around the world. Dr. Boyer is an expert in helping students gain the wide range of skills that they'll need to thrive in today's marketplace. She offers critical insights for students in this informative conversation today. Let's get right to it with Dr. Stephanie Boyer. Welcome to Changing Lives Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. This podcast was originally created to spotlight the leaders, alumni, and friends of the Cutco Vector Marketing community who are leveraging their positive influence to empower people all over the world to change their lives. Every few weeks, we go outside of the Cutco Vector sphere to bring you a guest who is teaching others how to have a more successful and fulfilling life, both personally and professionally. The special guests we bring to you here in episodes like today's are successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. The lessons they share are compelling, real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome, everybody. Today, I am with Dr. Stephanie Boyer of Bryant University, and I'm really excited for this conversation. Dr. Boyer is a marketing professor. She teaches selling and sales management to both undergrads and graduates at Bryant University there in the the Boston area. She is also a co-founder of Rainmakers, which is a virtual sales competition and training tool for students that has had participants all across the world. Uh, It uses AI and machine learning to elevate the sales profession through technology. Dr. Boyer has a tremendous amount of expertise in sales and sales management and great advice for college students of any sort in any major. I'm thankful to Sherry Dickey and Helen Brown for bringing us together today. Dr. Stephanie Boyer, thanks so much for participating here in the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here with you, Dan. Outstanding. Well, start out by telling us a little bit about uh, what you do at Bryant and some of the subjects that you teach. Sure. Well, I am a marketing professor. 
But funny enough, most of the classes that I teach are sales related. So I teach sales. I teach sales management. Uh, I also teach basic marketing class that covers everything in marketing to try to see if we can get students interested in it. I teach a class on design thinking, which has all of our freshmen come in and then they learn how to solve problems with kind of innovative techniques and creative ways. I also teach at the graduate level in sales. And even sometimes I teach a sustainability marketing class in Costa Rica. So we're horseback riding and zip lining through the rainforest and picking coffee berries and processing them and going to study ecotourism too. Outstanding. I love just the range of all the different things that, uh, that you have a chance to teach and share. That must be a lot of fun to be able to have that uh, a diversity of uh, subjects that you get to talk about and discuss with the students. It's exciting. It's, yeah. it's always fresh. It's always something new. Nice, nice. And tell us about Rainmakers and the sales competition and, and uh, how that fits into. Sure. Well, part of my role here at Bryant is, yeah, I forgot to mention that. I just told you the classes that I teach. I run the sales program too. And with the sales program, we host these large competitions. Students come to campus and they're competing in role plays where it's like an elimination style tournament. The companies come in to judge and the students either get eliminated or they advance. So we have all these live competitions. And the reason I mentioned that first is because Rainmakers, it's Rainmakers without the vowels is how it's spelled. So R-N-M-K-R-S, but it's pronounced Rainmakers. So it's supposed to be the cool way to spell Rainmakers these days. That's what I hear. And so this is a tool that helps people learn how to have better conversations especially when they're in a selling situation. So how do you come in? If you have to go meet with a customer, how do you even start that conversation? How do you start to build rapport so that the environment is friendly? What else do you do? How do you start to ask questions to get the customer to help you understand if they even have a need or a desire for your product? And then how do you match that desire that they have with the product that you have? right? So creating bridge statements, handling the pushback that comes along the way, and then being able to move that sale forward. So Rainmakers is a tool that students can use. They they come in, they log in, it's on their phone. So they're on their phone from any location and they can practice having these conversations. And when they do, they get feedback right away. So imagine having like this one-on-one personalized coach where you can go in, it's a safe environment. You have a role play conversation. Like what would it be like if you went to talk to this client and you just go through that call and then you get feedback immediately and you can practice as much as you want from anywhere you want at any time you want. And it's free for college students to participate and you know each semester get, get some feedback there. We also have an elevator pitch training tool. So how do you tell a quick story about yourself using the STAR method? So you're efficient and quick telling those stories. So it's it's a fun tool students can use for free to teach them how to sell and have better conversations. And can any student use this? Any college student. It's free for any college student to use. So Cutco Vector reps all across the country, how could they utilize something like this? What I would recommend for them is to go during the semester for whatever teacher they have a marketing sales related, business related class. You could even probably go to the college career advisory Mm -hmm. group, but 
the best bet is to get the faculty member involved so that it can be part of the class. Mm-hmm. And the faculty member enrolls the students and the students continue to role play and they actually get graded on it. That's where we've seen the most success is when it's embedded into someone's class because it gets people to stay motivated to get the work done because we have so many competing priorities. But I've also seen students say, you know what, I really want to do this. I'm so motivated. And they'll go and they'll talk to their coach or their faculty member, any faculty member at the school, the faculty member will enroll them and they'll be a part of like a sales team or a separate sales competition for the school. Because maybe the faculty member says, it's too late to add this to my class. We're two weeks in, I can't change the syllabus. So they could say, you know what, though, I will be your sponsor. So I'll send you the invite. I'll get you in here. And then they can actually come in and they can practice throughout the whole semester for free. Yeah. Wow. You know, for any student sales rep or even vector manager who influences student sales reps, if you're listening to this anytime in the summer of 2023, sounds like something that maybe we could get installed in more places in the fall by approaching professors early in the game, right? Versus waiting until the the quarter or semesters all begin. That's right. And if, you know, if you had a huge interest, like let's say you had a thousand co-reps or like a hundred even, and they were just like, you know what, I really want to learn how to use this. We could just create a class for them and enroll everybody in the summer if they wanted to do that. Yeah. I bet we'd have uh, a number of our divisional managers who'd be takers on that would want to implement something like this into the program they're teaching to their sales reps, right? You know, throughout the summer. Yeah. And who knows, you can even create your own Cutco selling situation. So it's not going to be selling a computer. It'd be selling some knives. Yeah, exactly. Wow. That's pretty cool. I like it. Well, obviously being a professor teaching sales and sales management, you believe in sales and what it does for students. What's your take on why you feel like all students should learn how to sell? All students are going to sell. So if it's something you're going to have to do, no matter what job you go into, you might as well learn how to do it well. So when students are in classes and they have groups that they're a part of, which we've all been a part of that, we all have groups where we just it was the worst and we've had really great groups. Well, the selling skills that you develop can help you have better relationships with the people in your group, better communication so that you can get a better grade in your class. Or if you're interviewing for a job or an internship, you are literally selling yourself. When you're out on the job force and you want to get a raise or you want a new position, you want to get a promotion, you're selling to your boss or your manager why you should get that promotion, or maybe you want to go do a training in San Diego and you want your manager to buy into supporting you to do this so that they'll cover your airfare and they'll let you take off work to go. Any of those things that we want to do and we're trying to win someone over, that's all selling. Even children, a lot of these Cutco reps right now, they're going to grow up and they might have families. And I even use it to try to get my kids to do things that they don't want to do or to get their buy-in and get more motivated to do it. Like help me do yard work or, or house cleaning or eat their vegetables even. So I'm constantly using selling strategies throughout my life. And just even with their, the people that they're around their friends and family to be able to have better conversations with them. 
Yeah, so many things, relationships, communication, right? Selling yourself, selling ideas. I always say, tell people parenting is like an 18 year long sales presentation, right? It's like you've got this amount of time to try to influence these kids to think a certain way and act a certain way and become who you know they're capable of becoming. And uh, it's, uh, it's got a lot of ups and downs along the way, for sure. That's absolutely right. How old are your kids? Nine, 11, and 13. Wow, 9, 11, and 13. I have a nine-year-old as well. I also have a six-year-old. So I got little ones. Oh, that's the best. I love that. Like five or six-year-old age. So (laughs) so special. It's fun. It's fun. Tell us more about the specific skills that are gained through selling or some of the specific things that you try to teach to the students that you work with. Well, I mean, there's there you have the whole sales process. And you can develop really important skills along the way throughout the entire process. But a lot of it really comes down to listening and asking questions. So a lot of times when we think of sales, we think about the media, we think about like the boiler room or the Wolf of Wall Street or Glenn Gary and Glenn Ross. And it's all about like pushing people into a decision or trying to manipulate someone to do things your way. And really, that's not what sales is about at all. Sales mm-hmm. is 100% about helping people and understanding what problems they have and how you may be useful in helping them solve those problems. And if you have someone who doesn't have a problem they, they want to solve, you're probably not going to be able to sell to them. And you don't know what someone's problem is unless you're listening to what they're saying and you're asking questions to get them to open up around those areas. So those are probably like the two biggest things you need to do when you're selling. It's not about the pitch and talking. It's about really listening first and asking the right questions. Yeah. Is there any further guidance you provide students about the types of questions to ask or how to sort of start that process in working with a customer? Sure. I I mean, usually when you start out, you're going to build some rapport. You've got to create a very friendly environment, a trustworthy, open environment so that people feel comfortable talking to you. If you start the conversation and you're like, well, tell me what's wrong. Usually people are like, I don't really know you very well yet enough to be honest with you. So there's for sure a process of making someone feel comfortable, finding some common ground, setting an agenda and letting someone know what they should expect over the next 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, hour, two hours that you're going to be with that person to show that, you know, you're building trust. You, you have that competence that you you know what you're doing. And then as, as you get into discovery or asking questions, the first step is really understanding the person, what their role is, how they do things, basically understanding the context or the situation that they're in. And then as you're exploring the situation that they're in, you'll start to understand some of the problems that they're facing. And so you'll probably try to start asking questions that are related to the problems you can solve, right? So if you're selling Cutco products, you'd probably be talking about being in the kitchen or food or timing or, you know, what some of their diet is like, how much they're cooking, how much time they're spending in there. So you'd st- you start out and you find out just how things are, the status quo. Then you start to get into, well, you know, what could be better? 
you know, what would you want to improve here? And what have you tried to do to make those improvements? So you start, you start small to try to build up where are they and where are they going? And then you ask questions of like, well, where do they want to be? And then you see this like beautiful future of like a perfect world that we could be in if we could fix some of the challenges you're facing related to this. And so then you create this gap for the person of where they are and where they want to be. And you begin to start filling that in of how you can help them achieve that. The first step, of course, is to understand what they've done to try to get to that more perfect world, what works, what doesn't, and try to understand if they're on this current trajectory, if things stay the way that they are or they get worse, what is their future going to look like? So that way you're trying to see like, okay, well, how is the problem that they're having affecting them now? And how about in the future? So let's say if it's Cutco and they don't like cooking because, you know, they're cutting themselves with their knives or uh, it's just too cumbersome or they don't just, they just don't enjoy it. Then you say, okay, well, what does that mean? Maybe you're spending a lot of extra money and you're going out to eat. Maybe you're not eating as healthy when you're going out to eat and you're not controlling your diet as much. Uh, right. And so you start to see this and you start to say, well, you know, would you want to be healthier? Would you want to enjoy this more? So you start to understand, do they have a need? Do they have an interest? And then you start to tie in what you have to offer with some of those needs and the challenges that they have. Yeah, that sounds really good. I like to teach people a lot of what I call positive response questions. And this means it's where the customer either says yes or agrees or expresses interest somehow. So a really simple example would be, have you ever tried to cut a squishy tomato with a dull knife, right? Mm -hmm. Every single customer is going to say yes. And then it provides you, you know, you ask what happens and they'll tell you, well, mushes, right? And you can show them how, well, this is how it works here, right? And there's a lot of other different types of questions along those lines that people can ask that I feel like if the customer is agreeing, they're expressing interest, they're saying yes, it's creating a positive vibe between the salesperson and the customer where you're there. We sort of try to create the feeling of like, we're like an assistant buyer or a consultant more than we're a salesperson. Right. Um, And I think that's what happens through skillful questioning uh, as you're progressing through a uh, sales presentation. So it's one of the things that we try to do. And I love that you gave that example because that is, it's doing so much more than just getting yes. You're able to, in that example, get them to visualize that last time and they're putting themselves in that problem state and they're like, yeah, like it's gross. It's messy. It doesn't look very nice. Right. And so you're getting them to start to envision that. And then of course, if later you're able to have them cut that squishy tomato with your amazing Cutco knife and you show them it's so much better. Now they've had that experience and they've got the visual, they've got the contextual understanding of it all. And it's just so much more impactful when you're able to do that. Yeah, exactly. I also appreciate what you said about sales is about helping people. I always try to convey to you know my organization, the sales reps in my organization, that closing a sale is never about convincing somebody to do something they don't want to do. Closing a sale is helping someone feel comfortable with something that they do want to do. Because even when people want to do something, a lot of times there's an inertia that builds up to make a decision to actually act. Right. And here with, you know, the action part means they got to, you know, take out their credit card, right. And say yes. And there's an inertia that that is sometimes is tough to get over. And that's where a salesperson comes in. It's finding out what is a customer's level of interest when you can see that people like it and they want it. 
helping them say yes to whatever they're comfortable with. And the beauty of selling Cutco is that just about every person is interested. I mean, we almost never run across somebody who's like, no, 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 I don't want it at all. Right. Right. So if, if we know people like it and they want it, our job is to help them feel comfortable saying yes, moving forward, whatever level that might mean, whatever expense level that might mean, however much stuff that might mean. Our job is to find what that sweet spot is and help them to move forward. And that's a different paradigm than a salesperson that's trying to convince somebody to get something they don't want. That's exactly right. And that's the beauty of Cutco is the products are just so good and they have such a great reputation. Yeah, exactly. And then you saying everyone is going to sell, so they might as well be good, right? Like that's just such a, a key point that I like to convey to others as well is just how often influence plays into our lives every single day over and over again. And it's just such an important thing to practice and getting involved in sales gives you the chance to practice that skill a lot of times. Well, and not just that also someone is always going to be trying to sell to you too. So it's really smart to understand selling because you're either selling someone selling to you, or maybe it's both happening at the same time. So you might as well be the master of that because you can't escape it. (laughs) It's there. Yeah. Exactly. And so you teach not just sales, but also sales management at Bryant. Mm -hmm. Could you offer us any nuggets on sales management that you share with, uh, with your students? Sure. Well, I wrote a book for that class because I was struggling to find the tools that I needed to, to train the students. And in the sales management class, what I do is I have those sales management students manage the students in the other sales classes. So they're essentially carrying that sales team across and they're understanding their reporting on them. They're helping them to reach their goals, to set their goals, and to understand the complexities because everybody is so different. We have different communication preferences and based on the preferences, It determines how we like to receive praise, how we like to talk to people, how we make decisions, what makes us more uncomfortable, what makes us more happy. And so being able to understand how other people prefer to communicate and communicate with them in that way can help you talk to anyone better. But especially if you're managing a team, understanding that everyone has unique differences We also do a lot with adaptability. And so we do improv training in that class. And we help students understand that you've got to be able to think on your feet, adjust to different problems. Sometimes when you're in school, you're getting like a worksheet to fill out uh, or high school. And there's always like a right or wrong answer. And there's usually an answer key somewhere. But in sales management, there's not necessarily someone that can tell you exactly what to do in the situation and how it'll turn out. There's a lot of trial and error a lot of research that you have to do to try to figure out how to solve problems. But for a manager, I'd say one of the most important things is to try to be a servant leader and just to serve your team. It's not about you as the manager. It's about the team as a manager and what you can do to be able to serve them, to understand what are their goals aligned and and align those with what your goals are, what the company's goals are. So that way they'll have the most motivation to go after them. And then finally, just focusing on self-directed learning is giving people some autonomy and direction at the same time 
to hit their own learning goals. Because if you can get a person on your team to try to decide, you know, where do they want to be in three months? Where do they want to be in six months? And what's something small that you can both work on to help them get to that point? That person is going to want to continue to stay with you because they're feeling empowered. They feel important and they feel like they're really moving forward. So that manager is really the difference between whether someone wants to stay with your organization or not. So that manager role is so, it's critical. The manager is the face of the organization to all of the, all of those sales reps reporting. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate you sharing some of these insights on sales management. And it sounds like a lot of what it comes down to is a manager that takes the time to get to know their people, to find out what are their goals, to find out what are the reasons for their goals, and that that can help inform how the manager can lead and inspire and direct them as they're working. What you said about the manager that really is what retains people is such a key point for anyone in the Vector Cutco organization to hear. I think about what might have happened if I had just ventured into a different Cutco office with a different manager. Would I have had the same experience? Because the knives are the same, the job is essentially the same, but the person you work with is such a key part of the Cutco Vector experience. And that's one of those things that you know is a little harder for us to control because we have hundreds of managers all across the country and we try to provide the best training we can for them. But they approach things differently, right? They have different personalities and approach things differently. They do. But, and so one thing <clears throat> that they can do that anybody could do is if you just understand the goals, the motivations of that person on your team, that individual, and whatever you're asking them to do, whether it's calling more people or doing something more than they're doing, something different. If you can tie that back into something that they care about, that's important to them, they're going to have a more motivated team. Yeah, for sure. And just that servant leader mindset. Think if I could try to instill anything in all of our managers, it would be that servant leader mindset that I'm here to help others to succeed. And in in the process of helping others succeed, I, as the manager, am going to achieve my goals. I'm going to do well and hit the goals I want to hit as well while I'm helping others. So, but that, Mm -hmm. that mindset comes first for sure. That's right. And I mean, you know, think about it. If you're on a team and you feel like your manager just cares about themselves or other people and doesn't really care about you, then you withdraw. You don't show up as much. You're going to have some people that are super motivated that doesn't matter who their manager is, they are going to succeed and they'll work through it. But that's maybe 10% of the people, 5% of the people. The rest of them are so influenced by that manager. So just showing that you care and you're trying to help move them forward, it really makes such a big difference. For sure. Yep. Love it. Good stuff. Dr. Boyer, tell us about your college career. And I know you had a brief opportunity to sell Cutco as well when you were, when you were younger. Tell us about that. I did. You know what? And I still think about some of that training that I received. Now, I had such a weird experience because I transferred down to Florida, to University of South Florida from the school I was at before. And like I had been a firefighter, really different experience right before I was in college and the the beginning of my college. So I transferred down. My parents moved from Virginia to Longboat Key, Florida. And I happened to move in with them for the summer in between classes, in between the spring and fall semester. And I got this note 
from Cutco or from Victor Marketing that I could come in and interview for this role. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is perfect because I had just gotten out and uh, I went in, I drove, I had to drive like 45 minutes to go interview and I was wearing my suit and I was so excited to come in for the opportunity and my manager was fabulous. So we, we got to learn about the opportunity. The problem was my family was brand new into town. They didn't know many people, but they lived in a neighborhood that was filled with snowbirds. In fact, I think most of the island on Longboat Key, they were snowbirds. And so there wasn't anybody around and I didn't have any of anybody to have this like warm outreach to. So I was trying to like cold call and find directories and get in and I remember in the first month I got that like first promotion. I think it was like called the homie or something. It's been a long time. It's been like 20 something years since <laughs> since I did that. But my experience was really based on the training that I got to go through, the relationships with the people that I met because I had just moved into there, getting to follow and and shadow people along on these calls, calling people and getting rejected a little bit taught me a lot and it helped me to feel that nervousness and that letdown of someone didn't want you calling. And then the excitement when somebody did and like building up and preparing. I also went down to, I think, Miami area for a big training that we did with all the like enthusiasm and excitement around that. So I built relationships. I learned a lot of the foundation of selling. And I learned that like the nerves and the courage that you get to be able to go out and and start to have those calls and to be organized. Right. So, I mean, it was brief because I just did it during that summer, but I just, I learned so much and it really built the foundation for my love of sales. That's great to hear. It, It sounds like you had a much more challenging start because you weren't where all your resources were and all your network and all that kind of stuff. So it's a lot harder than it is for most students. And yet what struck you, what you've remembered all these years later is the quality of the training, the exposure you had, right? Those sorts of things that, uh, that have stayed with you regardless. And I think that that's really powerful for all of our people to hear. It was. And I was always thinking, I was like, oh man, if I was still in Virginia where I grew up and I had such a big network, I would have been the top producer because I just knew <laughs> so many people. It would have been like, I knew their parents and their families and it would have just been so easy to find someone to talk to. But yeah, even though I didn't really have the opportunity that I would have had in Virginia, I still just got so like just the community that we created there and the friendship and just what I learned, it it will always stick with me. Outstanding. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that. So aside from selling skills, what else do you feel like are some things students can do while they're in school that helps set them apart from their peers? Sure. I get this question a lot and I see students that take the advice. And I see students that come to college and they just, you know, they sleep a lot and they watch a lot of TV. So I would say what not to do. Don't just come home between classes and take naps and watch TV and scroll on social media. But what you should do, because I see a lot of students sometimes doing that, is you should get involved on campus. You should not just join a group. An employer does not want to see you in five different groups that you attend an employer to set you apart, they really want to see that you're involved. Take a leadership role, get involved and do something. Don't just say like, oh, I was the vice president. But when you're going to go interview, be ready to share information about how you made that organization better because you were there. Not just like, okay, well, yeah, I was the vice president of this team. Well, great. 
why was the group better? Because you were the vice president of that organization. So really getting involved, I would say, get as much work experience as you can. Selling Cutco knives is amazing, right? It's, I mean, it's, it's such a great product. I know it's more than just knives, but those products are great. Refining their skills as much as they can and getting internships, all of those things, getting involved to actually do something, take on a project, make your university better, make the organization better and getting as much work experience as you can. Because if you can test out different things, you can see what do you really like? So that way you don't graduate take a role and realize that you're not very happy there. So as many internships, as many job shadows as you can do, getting involved in that way. Or it could even be like if you come into Cutco and then you get to be a manager and you get some of that managerial experience as well to know, do you like that? Are you skilled at it? You know, Do you want to pursue that? Yeah. I think about the assistant manager role, which is sort of like a team captain in -hmm. essence. And it's something people can get into certainly their second summer, but even in their first summer, if somebody excels, somebody can move into an assistant manager role relatively quickly. Wow, and then we have I didn't know that. That's right. That's and, then, and then somebody can be a branch manager where they actually run their own team, where they're responsible for every aspect of running the team. And that typically will happen somebody's second summer or third summer. And uh and that's fantastic. I mean, I did that twice when I was in college and it was a it was just a life-changing experience for sure. And you stuck with it. <laughs> Look at you now. Right. I, I did well enough the second time I was a branch manager that when I graduated from college, I was like, well, I should probably start out here because uh, I'm good at this. So yeah. And that uh, the rest is history. <laughs> That's, I love that story. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is the biggest challenge for students uh, upon graduation? Good question. The biggest challenge now is a little bit different from the biggest challenge two years ago. And then that's going to be different from the biggest challenge probably in two years. Pretty steady, I would say adapting, you know, adapting to change. Right now, there are so many new AI tools that are out there and it's changing the way that we do work. So being able to adapt to understand how to use these tools, that's something everyone's going to face. But making that transition from when you're a college student to a productive member of society working that shift is really difficult, right? Because you have to get up early. You can't just like zoom into a class. (laughs) You have to be responsible. You have to make sure that everything that you're handing in, whatever you're working on is very professional. Your communication has to change in your emails. You're probably sending and receiving a lot more emails than you ever did when you were in college. So just making that shift from maybe living with your parents or living with roommates in college You can't sleep in and take a class at 10 or 11. You're getting up early, very productive, making that shift, making sure that you find mentors to help along the way. But yeah, that moving from being a student to being a productive member of society and constantly adapting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and if a student is in the interviewing stage right now or is going to get into the interviewing stage sometime soon... What do you feel like are some of the things that can distinguish them from the pack? Well, those experiences in college would help being a leader, getting really involved, but then being able to communicate this in a way that people really understand. Sometimes we get caught up and we're going into tangents, but if students can learn how to tell an effective story about their key strengths, what they're bringing to the table being able to tell that in a concise way, for instance, using the STAR method. So 
using, like telling a story about why they should be hired. Maybe they're a great problem solver. They're an innovative thinker. They're adaptable. They're highly motivated. They have a will to win. They're a great leader. Not just saying like, I'm a leader, but saying, here's why I am a great leader. And then you tell a star story around that. So talk about a situation you were in, talk about the problem or the task that you had. So if you're trying to be you know, a leader, maybe you're in college, what was the problem that you were facing? What was the action that you took to solve the problem? And then what was the result of that, right? So if the student can tell a story, what was my situation? What was my task or the problem that I had to solve? What did I do about it? And then what was the outcome? What was the result? And then kind of reflect on that and talk about how does that help you moving forward? That is going to be really enticing for someone who's interviewing you to say, oh, wow, you didn't just say like, you're a leader on campus and just say like, well, I'm in this club, this club, this club, that club. You actually told me a story about how you led the way for this new initiative for the organization and helped them raise funds that made an impact, right? Then that's so much more memorable. But most interviews, the people that are interviewing, they just hear a list of responsibilities or, you know, they say like, oh, you were in this organization, you were in this fraternity or sorority, you took this class, you're this major, you're graduating at this time. And it's just basically like a list. No one remembers that list, but they'll remember a story that you told that makes an impact, right? So being able to tell a story using the STAR method would be the number one thing I think that could set people apart. That's some great advice. I love that. I, I think anybody listening can really get get a lot out of out of thinking of how they can implement that in in their future processes. It applies to a lot more than just interviewing too. So that was very good. And by the way, the Rainmakers has a speed cell elevator pitch competition that teaches you how to tell a star story based on your key strengths. So free, free tool for college students. So if they need help and they want to practice it and get that feedback, then they can also use that tool for it. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm intrigued by how some of our divisional managers that all have, you know, several hundred person organizations could implement the Rainmakers as a training tool with, uh, with some of their people. It's pretty cool. Thank you. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) What about uh, Dr. Boyer, the impact of COVID on college students? How do you feel like this era of COVID has impacted people's professional development? Are there any gaps that the seniors in college of today need to be aware of and and, and improve upon or or, uh, just anything on that that topic? Oh, big time, big time. Well, starting off with something positive, I've noticed that during this period, students' presentations, their PowerPoint decks when they're actually presenting they have skyrocketed in like, they're just, they're beautiful. They're really nice. They're using crisp images. And then there's designer tools that help them to make very colorful, highly branded, informative presentations. So I'd say that's something that really has improved, but their critical thinking skills have declined. Their communication skills have declined and then their presentation skills have declined. So I see a lot of students doing presentations and they're reading off of their slides or their screens. So they're struggling to be able to communicate without that crutch. 
because before we were on Zoom so that they could have all these notes up and they could just read off of their notes. So they didn't have to put themselves in those situations where they had to say something without having something in front of them. So I'd say those soft skills and to be able to communicate. Also during the pandemic, there was a lot of flexibility. And what I mean is you weren't supposed to come in if you were feeling sick at all. So if you had a little bit of a like throat tickle, it was like, oh, I'm not going to come in. I'm not even allowed to come in uh, or be around people. And so there was a lot of excuses that were happening during COVID. And a lot of faculty members were lenient because we had to be, right? We all had different situations. Some people were getting COVID and being on quarantine. So we had to be very accommodating. But the workforce is not accommodating like that. And we're starting to kind of retract and and to be a little bit tougher in college. But I think students got accustomed to the ability to make excuses and get extensions and be able to work in a different way. That's no longer the case. So they need to be able to do what they're supposed to do and know that if there's a deadline, that's a deadline and understand that if they need to get their work in, then it needs to be really strong work. There's no makeups in business. You've got to get it in high quality professional work from the very beginning. So that is something students really desperately need to be working on. Yeah, that's great. I appreciate hearing that as well. That was interesting. You mentioned uh, a little earlier that the world of two years ago is a little different than today and two years from now to be a little different from that. And that there's this constant sort of evolution that happens in the world of work. And it, it gets me thinking about what are the constants in the world of work? So I do think that students, everybody's got to be good at identifying goals and what they want to accomplish, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's a part of any, any job. I think that emotional intelligence is a part of any job. I think mental toughness is a part of any job. I think connecting with people is a part of any job. And these are all things that students learn in sales. These are all things that you're teaching students. You know, there was no class in my high school on emotional intelligence. There was no mental toughness 101 in my high school or in my college. And it was like so many of these universal skills are not taught in formal education because much of the structure of formal education, at least up through the high school level, is still sort of stuck in a, you know, the, the ways of 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, or even 50 years ago. And I just think it's refreshing that you're teaching real life stuff that mm. everybody needs that is going to cross over two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, for as long as people are in their careers, the things they're learning from you are going to be highly relevant. And I think that's super powerful. Thank you. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of constants and I mean, whatever you're doing, do it with everything that you have, right? That is never bad advice. <laughs> like if you're going to do something, do your best when you're doing it. Be curious and ask questions. You know, that is something that no matter where you are, that is going to help you to understand your role better, to have better relationships and not to just be focused on me all the time. Be, you know, think about the people around you and and be present with them. Yeah, those are going to be there forever. Outstanding. You got any last words of advice for uh, the Cutco Vector audience, Dr. Boyer? I do. One thing that I would say is a huge opportunity is there are a lot of AI tools out there that can help you to save time, make better decisions, 
get over the hump of like, I'm stuck and I'm not sure what to do. So lean into the AI tools to help you identify maybe more prospects, more people that would be interested in your products. There's just, there's so much out there that that can really help you. So I'd say leaning into that and seeing how the AI tools that are available are going to be able to save you time. Great, great tip. I like it. Oh, one more thing. Use social media. Use LinkedIn. Like it's it's so critical to brand yourself because if if you reach out to somebody, they're going to look you up to see who you are. And so you want to control that narrative. So they should get on LinkedIn. They should put their brand out there. Make sure it's representing exactly who they are. Lots of great stuff you've shared today with the audience, Dr. Boyer. I really appreciate it. Uh, Again, uh, grateful to Sherry and Helen for connecting us and uh, really appreciate the time you spent here adding value to our audience. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Dan. Dr. Stephanie Boyer, everyone. All right. That was great. Of course, uh, I appreciate that she said that all students are going to sell, which is one of the most important reasons why learning how is critical because regardless of what you do, you are involved in selling something, whether it is yourself or an idea or a product per se, selling is a part of everything that we do. She said sales is about helping people I think that's a really important paradigm to understand if you want to succeed in influencing anyone in anything is you have to learn to think in terms of what's in it for them and helping them to see that benefit. She described key skills such as rapport, connecting with others, and listening and asking questions. Those are all some critical things that if you're in sales directly, you may consider working with your manager on and discussing at an upcoming event. How do we do better at connection? What are some questions we can ask? How can we design the right questions to incorporate into our presentations to lead us in the direction we want to go to where the to the point where the customer is then ready to buy? And then of course, you have to be good at getting people to act. And there's an art to that, that everyone needs to learn and practice. That's a whole nother podcast. I've probably done a few on that. If you look back in the annals of this podcast, you'll see some stuff like that. Dr. Boyer talked about sales management and the essence of that being the servant leader paradigm, right? Caring about others' success, taking an interest in your people, finding out what are their goals, what are their reasons for their goals, connecting all those things to what they can do as a part of your team, what they can achieve that will help them get those things that they want. She also described the importance of adapting to change. And I think those universal skills that I rattled off earlier, including things like emotional intelligence and mental toughness and some of the other stuff that we've talked about are parts of that. And she talked about finding mentors as well in whatever you're doing. I think that's a critical piece of success. I enjoyed hearing about the star method of storytelling. So a situation that I was in, the task that I had to accomplish, the action, what I did, and the result, what happened. That's a great way of telling a story that illustrates how you are able to have a positive impact in any situation, in any organization. That was great. If you're interested in Rainmakers, remember, take out all the vowels. It's rnmkrs.org. 
Check that out. There is a program starting August 27th, 2023. You can contact Rainmakers directly. You can contact Dr. Stephanie Boyer. You can ask me if you want. I'll probably steer you towards Helen Brown. If you're in uh, Vector US, Sherry Dickey. If you're in Vector Canada, to help you get connected if you're interested in the Rainmakers program. All right. Hope you enjoyed this episode today. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives. 